Hi, I'm Hannah. And I'm Teffer. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! This week we're talking about a an absolute classic of mm-hmm. YA literature. This is the book Speak by Laurie Halse Anderson. Speak was published in I think it's 99. 99, yeah, 1999 and it is um really one of the first YA novels that talked about sexual assault mm-hmm. um in a really kind of intense personal way. Mm-hmm. Laurie Hall Sanderson says she never expected it to get picked up. She never expected people to read it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's one of the best-selling YA books ever. It's taught in a lot of schools. And we wanted to round off our month of YA classics back to school with mm-hmm. one that is still taught in classrooms that mm-hmm. a lot of listeners have mentioned um, as books they read. Mm-hmm in school uh and i really feel like it's kind of a bridge between the older YA books we've been reading and contemporary YA fiction um it's written right at the turn of the century it's uh just i think really really sets the tone for the 2000s and and what YA lit has been doing in that time it's also really Mm -hmm. interesting because you know it published in 99 it's right around the time i started reading YA it's really really interesting for me to read it and both sort of remember that time and also realize how much the genre has changed in 20 years yeah I don't know for me it doesn't feel like 2000 was that long ago <laughs> yeah no, I keep having to remind myself that it's like almost 20 there years are ago adults now. who were born in 2000 it's wild yeah. don't don't let's talk about that <laughs> <laughs> oh I feel old um <laughs> but yeah I think it's a really interesting like stylistically um, bridge between sort of some of the older stuff we've been reading and then newer stuff. Like it has mm-hmm. elements of both, which is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's an interesting book. I had never read it before. You had read it in high school? I read it over and over again in high school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I uh, did not experience sexual assault as a teenager, but mm-hmm. the experience of depression in this book um, yeah. is just, I mean... <sighs> could have been my experience the way it's written I like mm-hmm. Laurie Hulse Anderson says in the afterward that people say to like write to her about it and this book is not just about sexual assault it is about mm-hmm. depression and that's one of the things that makes it um what it is it really is just that that intense internal experience this book and other books like it it was so it was such a relief to see my experience written somewhere, and it also gave me the ability to write my own experience. And I actually, in high school, I never got treatment for depression. I was <laughs> severely, severely depressed, um, but I wrote all the time. I wrote in my journal. I would write short stories for English Lit class, and um, while I think they were, you know, not... Um, maybe the best literarily now that I have this sort of mandate of writing into hope, but they were Mm -hmm. very real and and very true to this and also a way that um, uh, alerted some of my teachers to what I was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so I really, I mean, I feel in in a lot of ways I owe quite a lot to this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Possibly even my life. 
at least to it and books like it. Yeah. (laughs) So, because the year Mm -hmm. I found it, it would have been my... um, it was really grade nine and ten that mm-hmm. were the hardest. Grade ten yeah. was just just probably the worst year of my life, and mm-hmm. um, it's I yeah I can't like say enough about the importance of seeing your experience written down. Mm-hmm. I really didn't expect to get into all of this right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really I it's like I had never read it before, and mm-hmm. I was really impressed by it I think like well we'll talk I think we'll talk about some of the things that are different from YA now and that maybe but um I really liked it I think whenever I'm reading a book that's that's this old I come into it with a little bit of like oh what's this gonna be like you know um but I think largely it holds up pretty well I was a little worried maybe rereading this for the first half. Uh, I'm always worried about the misery porn aspect, you know? I'm always worried about how long are we going to spend. Because, I Mm -hmm. mean, even though it's been 20 years, just about, it was still triggering for me. And I had a really bad day yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so sorry. I mean, I would I would put that yeah. warning. Well, I mean, I was having a bad yeah, day for yeah, personal were, reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I would like also put that warning on that, like reading this may be comforting and make you feel mm-hmm. like you're not alone it might also be uh really triggering because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's very uh well described yeah um but the ending just really rounds things out empowers mm-hmm. her so much um and you know as much as the experience the lived experience of depression is really real mm-hmm. i find the kind of turning up out of depression is also very real um really subtle it doesn't happen all at once there's not any one thing that makes it happen Mm -hmm. I also oh god I mean there's a lot of things I want to talk about I like the seasonal aspect of it yeah I like how much the weather plays a role Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really feel like the weather in Syracuse is, is a character in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's fair. And that was fun. I've, I think I've said this before, but I've mm-hmm. spent time in Syracuse and it was mm-hmm. just kind of fun to have that. Um, yeah. 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 I think I want to revisit what you're talking about. Like, yeah, like the we talked about this a little bit before we started recording about, um, yeah, how this book does spend a lot of time just on being miserable. Um, and I think that's, but it also does the writing to hope thing, which which I really like. And I think one of the things that made it feel less just like misery porn to me, and we because Caddy, so Caddy and I talked about um, misery porn a lot in the episode on Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I think one of the big things that's different in this book than that book is that. Um, Mel has character traits other than being depressed and miserable. And she has them throughout the book, even if they're, like, smaller. And I think that's one of the things that makes it, like, a a more complex and and well-rounded book to me. And she wants out of it also, you know? She, um... She really wants to make friends, but it feels mm-hmm. really hard and hopeless. And yeah, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense as a aftermath of trauma, mm-hmm. sort of clamming up because you're scared, mm-hmm. and then not knowing how to unclam. Yeah, um, and I mean the book is called Speak. It is about mm-hmm. 
voicelessness we get a lot about how melanie's throat feels and and yeah you know how she has that freeze response mm-hmm. um when people ask her questions really about anything yeah um, yeah so one of the, so one of the things that i really like about this book maybe this is a way in um is the is the art aspect of it and we, we talk both both you and i are artists mm-hmm. and i think we both really liked this but i like um so i i was not depressed in high school although i did have really bad anxiety towards the end of high school and really bad social anxiety and like even though i didn't realize it at the time like art was definitely like a lifeline for me um and i really i really liked that through line of sort of like for most of the book like the one thing that she's sort of able to focus on other than just sort of how awful she's feeling is this art project she's doing and i really liked that um as like a thread yeah i related very much to her um her process because Mm -hmm. for like a large part of the book she is trying she's assigned a tree her subject Mm -hmm. for the year is tree and she has to Um, find new ways of looking at a tree and Mm -hmm. she gets really stuck into one medium she's trying to carve a lino block Mm -hmm. of a tree which is actually something I've done quite a lot of lino carving Um, I find it very difficult (laughs) and uh, and I really related to her process because she works very much the way I work especially when I'm depressed Mm. where it's like you try to do something and it doesn't work and you get frustrated and throw it out and you try again and it doesn't work and you get frustrated and you throw it out and you try again and it doesn't work and you get frustrated and you throw it out and Mm. it really wasn't until I was an adult I took actually the one of the classes we met in (laughs) we met in an art class um but it was with our teacher Constantinos who is just the best god such a good teacher um it took those classes and Mm -hmm. I just like followed him like a little puppy for a little while (laughs) because he's great those were the classes where I learned like no don't throw it out like Mm -hmm. I know you don't like your preliminary sketch keep working on it add Mm -hmm. something here add something here Mm. you know make it something else um But until, you know, what was I, 23, 24, it was, it was, I would start it and be like, well, this is trash and throw Mm -hmm. it away. Um, Which I think is something a lot of people do, but is especially a depression thing. Yeah. To try something and to just be like, well, this isn't working. Like, it's especially my depression response. Mm -hmm. I mean, this week having, this week I had a very rough mental health week and... Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to quit everything and I'm going to move away. And that's always my response to like things getting hard. It's just mm-hmm. like all of this is trash. So I'm going to leave, <laughs> which I can't do. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yes, art as a lifeline, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I really like and I like I know there's something I love about like the serendipity of it. Like it's not um, like it's just something she sort of falls into. Um, and but it's like this one thing to cling to, and I think yeah. it really speaks to like the power of like creative pursuits, like to kind of unlock things in us and and be like a like an escape and a haven. And I also like like the through line of sort of like how that kind of connects her to nature as well, and how that ends up being also kind of a lifeline. Like I. I think I found this interesting, especially because, like, 
being the biggest science nerd in high school, but like the one thing in her classes that you see her like sometimes being a little bit interested in is biology when they're doing like plant biology and sort of like thinking about seeds. And then there's this beautiful thing towards like the last quarter of the book where she, um, like just decides to, it just sort of like starts like working on her yard at her house and, um, gets really into gardening and mm-hmm. how this is also like it's like sort of part of her like process and I just love sort of like the I love the arc of that and um, sort of how it just sort of like happens organically um, and it and it is a real way that like sort of she like takes charge of her healing even if that's not like consciously what she's doing um, yeah I, I think there's two aspects to it um mm-hmm the the art class and the fact that her subject is trees yes so first of all when she starts the art class when he the teacher explains what they're doing which Mm -hmm. is to pull a subject out of a hat and that's what you're working all year long yeah uh everyone in the class is like oh this Mm. sucks this is a stupid assignment and melanie is just like oh this is awesome this Mm -hmm. teacher knows what it's about this is gonna Mm -hmm. actually be cool um and when she pulls out tree, her first thought is, oh, this is too easy because I spend so much time considering trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she thinks a lot about the oak that's near her house that yeah. later becomes kind of a big symbolic <laughs> figure in mm-hmm. the story. So I think not only does the art give her a, a place to put her emotions and to express them, mm-hmm. it also connects her to yes. things she already loves. Mm-hmm. It connects her yeah. back to interests she had before she kind of froze up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, you know, I, I don't think you just kind of spontaneously start doing yard work if you haven't already had a pull. Her yeah. attention to the seasons also, her attention yeah. to the natural world. And so as an artist and a biologist, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. that those are. Yeah, that she's connected yeah. to these things. Yeah. And these, yeah. Yeah. But that's it. I think it's really not about like finding new interests. It's about about awakening yeah. and nurturing ones that were already there. And um, mm-hmm. I think the book does a very good job of that. Of of sort of this is a new attention, but these are interests she's always had, and she kind yeah. of gets to go back and connect mm-hmm. to that again. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I wanted to talk about in this book is the adults in this book because yeah. I think the adults in this book are very interesting. Mm-hmm. And so especially, I find the art teacher such an interesting character. Um, and I, I think you really like the art teacher character I do. Well. Do you dislike the art teacher? I, I have very, like, I find the art teacher very complicated in really interesting ways. Okay. Um, because, like, on the, I, I think he's a really interesting character and a really, like, complicated character. Because on the one hand, I think, like, fundamentally, like, as a, as a teacher, like, <laughs> especially like a teacher of children this young venting to your students about all of the things that frustrate you is like not a great thing to do right but on the other hand like I think in general like not a good pedagogical strategy I don't think he's doing it as a pedagogical strategy but on the other hand I think like the fact that he is like kind of messed up really allows Mel to connect with him um, and so even though I don't think he's doing it on purpose, really, it's, um, it is this beautiful sort of, like, I think that she, like, unlike all her other teachers, which I don't think she really sees as human, I think that she really sees him as a person. And um, she's able to kind of connect with the fact that he is very kind of, like, 
messy and upfront about that and kind of screwed up and yes I think it's really I find it really interesting yeah I think um I I I see what you mean yeah I am not totally averse to teachers being very clear with their students about how much the school board is is screwing them over Mm -hmm. um but I also think that it's important for Melanie to have somebody who is uh so able to speak right so Melanie can't talk about the things that are frustrating and scaring her and Mm -hmm. her teacher cannot stop talking about the things that are frustrating and scaring him and I think that um that is kind of what draws her to him oh it's just like it's okay to be angry out loud it's okay Mm -hmm. to be frustrated out loud uh, I don't think refusing to grade your students for a whole semester um, as a as a protest. I don't know. At the same mm-hmm. time, why not? You know, yeah. like his his protest is that he gives all of his students A's and the school board is like, dude, come on. And he's kind of just like, well, they're doing the best they can with what we have, you know, like. Um, yeah. You know, what? I, I am on board with that. I think the like talking like the because yeah, it is the thing that he does vent about is how bad the yeah, school board sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think maybe the main thing that I was like questioning his pedagogy, I was like. You should be spending less time during your classes doing your own work yeah. and more time paying attention to your students. Fair. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I mean, at the same time, maybe modeling art as protest is still is yeah you know, pedagogical. I just I just finished this assignment where I had to read mm-hmm. the like text by Walter Benjamin that's all about fascism mm-hmm. and art and communism okay. and politicizing art as a like and mm-hmm. fascist aesthetic and then the Susan um anyway anybody who's done a, a, a there's these texts and they talk about art and fascism and propaganda and mm. uh, art as protest and Dadaism and I think I still don't understand the Walter Benjamin text even though I've read it probably a dozen times mm. Sorry, we were yeah. talking about young adult lit. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but no, I, this is why I think he's a very complicated <laughs> case. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I definitely like him. I think he's a complicated character, and I don't... I think what I'm complicated on is whether I can't decide if he's a good teacher or not. Right. <laughs> I think he's a good teacher. He's definitely a good teacher for Mal. Yes. He is a very... And maybe that's the whole point, is like you can't necessarily be a good teacher for everyone because everyone needs a different kind of teacher i think the reason you have a lot of teachers in a school is because no one teacher is gonna do everything for one kid but for all kids you know Mm -hmm. i am i think back on my own like school Mm -hmm. experience and there were a few teachers who really changed my life who when i look back are like "Mm." <laughs> yeah. If you were teaching my kid, I would maybe have some conversations with you about the way you're doing this. Mm-hmm. But really gave me what I needed at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I'm liking this. I'm liking this angle that we have come to. Of, yeah. Like he. He is a good teacher. He is definitely the teacher that she needed. Yeah. Um. And maybe that's a good lesson too. Of like, there's not. Even if, like, on a lot of objective measures, maybe not the best teacher, he is a teacher who changed her life. And that counts for a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I even, I had an English teacher who was the first person who noticed that I was depressed and Mm -hmm. that was huge. And she let me just pass in 
mm-hmm. you know, anything that I was writing at the time, even yeah. though most of the time it was like <laughs> just probably very disturbing mm-hmm. <laughs> to be reading. Yeah. Um, but then I had her like several more times. And by the time I was graduating, I was like, OK, I have outgrown her teaching and like <laughs> starting to kind of see. Yeah. But at the time in like. Was what you needed. Seventh and ninth grade was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we haven't talked yet about sexual assault. No, we have not. Which is a major um, factor. Yeah. In this book. So, I mean, the the. Mm-hmm. it's all kind of shrouded in mystery for the first half of the book. We don't yeah. know what happened. We know that she called the cops on a party and everybody's mm-hmm. mad at her now. I can't remember how they know that she called the cops. Well, because she does it in the middle of a crowded kitchen. Does she? Okay, yeah, I thought she, she did does it, it like... No, because there's no... There, there is the scene she did. There is the replay of the scene where yeah. it happens part yeah. of the book. And at least as I read it, it is, it's very sort of like choppy and mixed up because yeah. it's her sort of memory of trauma. Yeah. But as I read it, it was like she goes into the middle of this like crowded okay. kitchen and calls the cops. Okay. And then I don't think she even says anything. Oh, because, of course, I read it as her calling the cops outside, but it's 1999. She, no, she doesn't have, have a cell phone. phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Of course. Okay. So she goes in. Yeah, she goes into the house and I think she's like in the middle of a crowded room and she calls yeah. them. She might not even say anything. She, yeah, them. no, she doesn't say anything to them, but they um, have but, her location from the landline. Yeah, but then somebody else like grabs the phone from her is like, what are you doing? and then like hears that it's the cops and then so they all know that's how they all know that it was her okay and she just like runs off because she she, people are mad at her and she's overwhelmed understandably doesn't know what to do yeah i absolutely love that she gets to um assert herself over her rapist at the end of the book yes at the end of the so what finally makes her speak is mm-hmm. that her her best friend who has not been speaking to her all year mm-hmm. starts dating her rapist. Yeah. And she is um inspired to act because she is very scared that he will hurt her friend. Mm-hmm. And as we often see, <laughs> her friend just does not listen mm-hmm. to her when she finally tells her why she called the cops at the party she's very sympathetic until she says who it was and mm-hmm. then she just says you're just jealous you're just trying to mess yeah. up my life you know um there's a f- couple of really powerful scenes around this one mm-hmm. is when she writes on the bathroom wall guys I to stay away from andy evans love that scene and then her friend calls her in a couple days later and shows just this list of responses to yeah. that of girls being like absolutely he's a creep you know mm-hmm. like stay away from him he's terrible i mean mm-hmm. the senior guy dating a freshman girl right it's yeah he is a very well written predator um he is so clearly yeah yeah well i mean and i think i think we've all seen that guy oh yeah, you know he, especially well, if it's that guy in our class he dates so all the realistic. girls in our class and then he goes a grade down and then he goes a grade down and then he goes a grade down right yeah. like because the older the girls are the quicker they are to cotton on to his bullshit yeah <laughs> um and you know violent tendencies mm-hmm um, but yeah, I just that that scene where the friend brings her back in and shows her, and I I could just see it in my eye this sort of like sprawling of graffiti all over the stall, and it was just like that was one of the most moving scenes in the book for yeah. me. And what a wonderful um, way for Melanie to be able to speak out in a way that is perfectly anonymous, mm-hmm. and that invites perfectly anonymous response. Yeah. Um, and that then gives her 
the courage to find her voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really powerful. Yeah. But then Andy Evans, you know, starts to pressure her best friend and she breaks up with him. Mm-hmm. And then he attacks Melanie. Yeah. In, I mean, it's just, ugh, it's such a well-written scene. She has mm-hmm. this abandoned uh, storage closet, janitor's closet, yeah. that she's been making her own special refuge, mm-hmm. sanctum sanctorum, all year. You know, she's yeah. been putting up posters and her, um, artwork, her and... artwork and, you know, cozy blanket, and it's where she goes when she's just too overwhelmed. It's a really mm-hmm. beautiful expression of herself. Yeah. Uh, totally private, but safe. Mm-hmm. And he invades this space and attacks mm-hmm. her. Um, terrifying well, scene. Yeah, so scary. You know, she's she's thirteen years old, and mm-hmm. he's eighteen, yeah, and much bigger than her. And yeah, you know, they're in a closet that is locked. Nobody knows she's there. Nobody mm-hmm. knows anybody uses that closet. Yeah, and she's frozen. She can't speak. And then she has this just wonderful turning point mm-hmm. where she realizes she is not interested in him victimizing her again Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she finds her voice she yells Mm -hmm. she breaks the poster that she had put up i I love that i love her poster of maya angelou being Mm -hmm. what she uses to defend herself yeah she breaks the glass she gets a piece of glass she puts it to his throat yes and she walks him out mm-hmm. and and the whole lacrosse team is there and i mean yes. i don't think they actually beat the shit out of him but definitely They're ready to definitely in my <laughs> mind he just goes out into a gang of lacrosse players and they just just you know beat him up and that's the last we ever see they are they are deeply Um, ready to do that as a high school lacrosse player (laughs) actually Mm -hmm. real talk high school lacrosse kind of saved my butt in high school i like i uh, physical Mm -hmm. activity is really good for me for my mental health it's yeah um, i'm just i'm somebody who likes powerlifting. like Mm -hmm. we exist um and and um, lacrosse was the first part I played that I was like naturally good at and it's very aggressive and like mm-hmm. aggression is a good thing in it and anyway I just loved having lacrosse players get their day yeah, <laughs> yeah. so the other thing that I really liked about that unless can I go in a slightly different yeah, direction absolutely. yeah um, is well I think I liked I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I feel about it but I think I really liked it is so one of the main through lines of this book is that like, all of her friends from middle school have stopped talking to her because of this party. Um, but then you sort of get gradually as the book goes along that, it, like, the, the main ringleader, yes, hates her guts and is awful. The other ones, like, kind of don't care about that anymore. Um, and you get this sort of, like, slow reconnecting with these people who used to be her friends. And and I think it ends on a really beautiful, like, you can see those relationships becoming strong again. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so I really I love that it is that like the girl who sort of helps her like well gives her the marker to write on the bathroom wall is one of her old friends yeah. from elementary school and then the lacrosse team is it is Rachel who is one of her friends from elementary school uh, and everyone else it's not Rachel isn't it no Rachel does not Rachel's the one who's oh the, Rachel's the yeah, bad one yeah. yeah who's the who's the lacrosse girl what is her name? Nicole? I think Nicole. it's Nicole. It's Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, they right. are. They're her old friends. It's Nicole. So it's Nicole and her lacrosse team. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really love that. I love how I love how they sort of um, come close to her again. 
Uh, yeah. And I, I really like the, the sort of the social anxiety arc in there as well, because you, as, as the reader at least, I very much get the sense that like her like perception that they don't like her lasts a lot longer than them than it actually being true. Mm-hmm. Like you get hints of them, you know, being like maybe cautious but friendly to her from pretty soon into the book, but it takes a while for her to actually like be able to see that. Yeah. Um and so I like how that arc goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's again like I've said that this mm-hmm. book feels very personal for me, but in grade 10 mm-hmm. I didn't call the cops on a party or anything, but I ended up pushing all my friends away that mm-hmm. year just from being in a really bad state. I was Yeah dating somebody long distance who was terrible and like Mm -hmm. abusing diet pills and was just kind of not easy to be around and I remember my best friend finally like after I had kind of pushed everybody away my best friend finally just being like look I love you you need to get your shit together I can't hang out with you right now like Mm -hmm. which is like super impressive for like a 14 year old yeah that's real good boundaries (laughs) she's still she's still really impressive with boundaries but she finally just was like like look like you have to figure out whatever's going on with you and then eventually I did and eventually my friends came back and and it's very realistic Mm -hmm. um I think for the most part people do forgive you know like like when you have a really big base of friendship there Mm -hmm. um it's also not the the greatest of um transgressions no. To get overwhelmed at a party and and call nine one one, and you know I think most of mm-hmm. them finally just kind of forgot the adrenaline yeah, of the moment. Yeah, most of them were like, "Yeah, this was yeah, whatever." It's yeah. it's not a big deal in the scope of things. Yeah, exactly. We have talked we talked a little bit before about this book, uh, reminding mm-hmm. us of "Just Listen" by yes. Sarah Dessen, and Sarah that one's about six years older. I think mm-hmm. it was published in two thousand six. So I think we can probably safely say. Sarah Dessen read speak. I, I yeah, would I mean there are really strong yeah. parallels. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I don't think beyond you know it is a story that that has an arc for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's not a retelling in any no, way. No, not at all. It's just, like the the par- It's just really that um that parallel of like this awful thing. Like, she was sexually assaulted, that happened, and also, um, like, she was painted completely as the villain in the situation, yeah. and so all of her friends abandoned her. Mm-hmm. And and then she's very depressed, and then she has the arc of reconnection. Yeah. But again, like, by the end of the book, most of her friends are kind of just like, no, Sophie just wildly overreacted. Yeah. Um, and we all know that. And mm-hmm. like, yes, like even before they know what happened, like, sure, it was kind of shitty, but like, it's, you know, we love you. <laughs> yeah. I think it's always so important to depict um, the fact that even when things are a really big deal, when they happen, people can get over them. Yeah. And, yeah. and friendships can be redeemed. And just because mm-hmm. your friend isn't talking to you right now doesn't mean they're never going to speak to you again. Yes. I think that's such an important lesson to teach teenagers. Mm-hmm. And just the broader lesson of like, especially when you're going through mental health stuff, like the way that you th- like your perceptions of what people think of you are often not actually accurate. Um, 
that was the big thing that resonated because because I haven't I never had in high school anything like the big like everyone's mad at me for something but I constantly just thought that nobody liked me yeah. <laughs> um and so that the, the way both of those books really illustrate like everybody doesn't hate you yeah it's something I'm, I still work on when I oh, yeah. see a therapist. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, people think this about it. Well, do they? Or mm-hmm. or do you yeah. think this about yourself? Yeah. And you're putting it on these people. Yeah. And it's been a very interesting exercise over the past few years to, it's something my, my partner and I do. If mm-hmm. I think he's thinking something about me, mm-hmm. what I have to do is say, are you thinking this about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and usually he's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm frustrated mm-hmm. with this other thing, so mm-hmm. I seem frustrated, but I'm not frustrated at you. Yeah, and I'll just be like, "What are you talking about?" Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, how great would it have been if I had started that process much, much, much younger than mm-hmm. I did? Of just my my first therapist. Yeah. It's ha- this is always what I call it because it's the first therapist who pointed it out to me. Called mm-hmm. it mind reading. Yeah. Yeah, and she would it's probably mm-hmm. just a term people use. Which she it's, would be a, like, it's a CBT term. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also my my first therapist <laughs> also introduced me to this. Yeah. She'd be like I think you're engaging in some mind reading here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it's useful. Yeah, it's it's very useful to be yeah. able to understand what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. To um, when you start to get really down on yourself and mm-hmm. it's just so much easier to project that onto somebody else it's so much easier to take the bad feelings you have about yourself and make it into well this other person thinks these bad things about me Mm -hmm. so i should feel really bad yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and especially onto the ones we love because Mm -hmm. it's a far more effective uh way of self-flagellating if it's the people who love us Mm -hmm. yes Yeah. (laughs) yeah There's a lot in here. There's so much. Yeah, yeah. we haven't even talked about her parents. Her parents let her down real they bad. They really do. Real, real, real bad. So the thing that I like about her parents is I like that it holds both like the recognition that like her parents are really failing her in a lot of ways. Um, but also like shows that in their own like screwed up way they are trying and I think it gives you hope that they might be able to be better um one of the things that I mm -hmm. one of the things that I think is metaphorically really powerful also I love that this book has kind of an undercurrent side current of like symbolism isn't real and then is chock full of symbolism (laughs) oh I didn't catch that but (sighs) yeah it's just such a nice twist it's such a fun twist it's a little Um, like third wall moment yeah yeah Yeah, fourth Fourth wall wall. yeah (laughs) But when uh, Melanie cleans up the yard I love. and her dad comes into the yard and looks around and is mm. just like, oh, we need to trim the hedges. And then when we trim the hedges, we need to paint the shutters. And mm-hmm. that tree is dying. And and mm-hmm. and just because she's done that little bit of care, he starts noticing things. Mm-hmm. I think that is a not at all subtle metaphor for Melanie. Once she starts... To do a little bit of care for herself, her parents start to see that she's neglected and that she needs care and attention. Yes. And, you know, I mean, God, when when if your kids grades suddenly drop 
from one semester to the mm-hmm. next. It's not because they're slacking off. It's because there's something going Something's. on. Yelling at your kid for their grades dropping is never going to do anything except to make your kid feel like shit. So don't do it. Mm-hmm. This is something I feel very strongly about. I mean, it's yeah. also something schools need to do better at. Yes. Um, schools need to be better at like... Yeah, r- recognizing that, like, this is not... Yeah, kid- I mean, I think even even when it's not a subtle... Like, kids who are making bad grades aren't... Like, th- that is happening because something is wrong. Yeah. Or something in the school system is not serving them properly. I, I mean, I would say, or... like, a-, a sudden drop in grades because, like, Especially. a very... I mean, I think the- just the grading system is stupid, mm-hmm. and we need to figure out a better way to teach kids stuff. I heard about mm-hmm. a teacher who, if a- if a student failed their assignment, they mm-hmm. could just do it again as many times as they needed to get the grade up because you have to learn so like yeah take the test again and take the test again and take you're gonna take the test till you get a passing grade yeah and then i'll know that you Mm. know the information yeah um yeah yeah (laughs) anyway but yeah i mean that 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 yeah so clearly they are doing the wrong thing yeah um but the other thing that I really like about the the scene with her dad with the yard work stuff, it um, and I'm not trying like I don't think this excuses their behavior at all, and I don't um, like I don't think the book is trying to do that. But I like that like I don't know that scene. It also really gives me the feeling that like I think her parents are also depressed, yeah, and going through, yeah, shit. And I I love that like. I don't know. That scene in particular gives me this real hope that, like, as a family, they are going to be able to do work on their shit. Yeah. And be much better at caring for each other and being a family. Yes. Absolutely. Um, And so I really, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about care, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you start, you have to, it's so easy to let, your well-being mm-hmm. fall into a state of neglect yes and especially when you're a parent when you do that you let your children's well-being fall into a state of neglect mm-hmm. um i like i am a parent who has mental health struggles and mm-hmm. i know that like when yeah. when my mental health dips my care for my kids dips i mm-hmm. am not as good a parent yeah. as i well, am when i'm you know i had a really i mean i talked about having mm-hmm. had a really rough week like the mm-hmm. week before I had a really hard time because I was just completely depleted emotionally mm-hmm. and then my kid was also having a really rough emotionally yeah. depleted week and I you know knew what was necessary and just couldn't provide it and that mm-hmm. is a, a really really horrible feeling it yeah. just it's gutting <laughs> um, yeah. but and culturally, we teach parents to do what Melanie's parents do, right? Work yeah. as hard as you can, work the longest hours you can to make the most money you can mm-hmm. to provide materially yeah. for your kids. And um, culturally, we're kind of trying to turn away from that and have mm-hmm. a new attitude yeah. <laughs> um, that prioritizes emotional well-being more. But it's really mm-hmm. hard to unlearn that. Yeah. And again, this book was 20 years ago. Yeah. I really want to read Shout now oh is that is it a sequel to this it's not a sequel it's after it's it's recent it's very very recent but laurie hall sanderson finally wrote her own memoir 
of the events that inspired this book and she I think did not was not open about being a victim of sexual assault until she released Shout wow that's really cool like if you read the notes she doesn't mention it no she doesn't Um, and she didn't mention it for years and years and years Mm -hmm. and then just the letters from her readers inspired her to be able to tell her story Um, and I really want to read it (laughs) yeah so we both are reading the paperback version mm-hmm. that's kind of I think the the cover art everybody knows yeah um a girl's face with one brown eye one green eye superimposed a silver tree over it we'll mm-hmm. post this one on the Instagram for sure yeah um and this version says under the title the groundbreaking novel that changed everything mm. and when I first saw that I was kind of like well that's a bold statement <laughs> it's pretty that's yeah. a pretty bold statement mm-hmm. I think it's true yeah because I don't think YA was really writing quite this honestly about depression, mm-hmm. about sexual assault. Maybe Judy Bloom to an extent. Yeah, but not. But it's a new format. Yeah. Um, the introspection, the the mm-hmm. the personal emotional experience, and it's something that took off in YA. Yeah. For about a decade, that was that was what all the books were. Um, mm-hmm. I read probably hundreds or thousands of those books. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the introspection and the like, the introspection and the outward like, this is wrong and I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That happens mm-hmm. towards the end of this book as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a new. Yeah. It's something we see a lot in Sarah Dessen's books. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when her first, her first book had already been published and she was doing it kind of, but not to the same degree. Yeah. Um, and I also think it kind of inspires the writing mm-hmm. into hope that we see now. We use Absolutely. this phrase all the time. I just yeah. want to credit, again, that was Nick Stone. Right, yes. Who said writing into hope mm-hmm. at Montreal Yafest the first year we went. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, we were just so excited we about it. it. Um, and now we use it constantly. But that is credit to Nick Stone, yeah. who just is releasing a new book soon. And you yeah. should pick it up. Yeah, Um We love her. Yeah. Well, it's such a good way to encapsulate, I think, what we love about YA. Um, which is that it tackles hard things, but but with an expectation that they can be better. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. Yeah. I wonder how many books there are out about climate anxiety right now, or how many people are writing writing way novels about climate anxiety. Yeah, I want to read that. Those. Like aren't dystopia, but the, yeah, that are like yeah, like current. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the climate march, mm-hmm. climate strike with my kids this afternoon. Yeah. So uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Makes me want to draw some trees, this book. Yes. I want to draw some trees. Yeah, both this book and I Wish You All the Best just, like, gave me such strong, like, memories of high school and art being, like, what was my lifeline? It's yeah. like, oh, I need to do some more, like, art thing. I was actually, I was talking to, like, one of one of the people who gives me pastoral care sometime the other day because I was, I've had a rough week as well. And she was like, I'm going to give you some clay to take home, Hannah. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I was like, Allison, I love yeah. you. Yeah. That's, that's like exactly how to care for you. <laughs> and then there, was, there was a dog and then she gave me clay. It was perfect. Speaking of when Melanie's parents give her a sketch pad and charcoal <gasps> oh, for so- Christmas and they say, we noticed you've been drawing and she gets so overwhelmed. She almost starts crying and she can't speak because she is so touched that they noticed. Yes. I also love that. I That's love that. Beautiful. Yeah, it, yeah. It's that sort of like... 
you know what? They are doing so many things wrong, but they are. It's like they're doing so many things wrong, but they do love you. And like they are yeah. trying and they're going to get better. That's like the turning point. Yeah. Also relates so hard to her mom who works in a store. So Thanksgiving is her busiest time of the year and still always wants to make Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner and like a big fancy Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinner. That scene, I relate to her mother of like, I am run absolutely ragged, but damn it, Thanksgiving is a tradition and we are going to do it. And then just like forgetting to thaw the turkey and yeah. then just this, the, the, it, that's, that scene is so well written. Just yeah. the slow degradation of the turkey over the course. Of this day, it ends up getting like ceremonially buried in the backyard it, beside it's their dead into cat, soup like. and then ceremonially buried in the backyard beside their dead beagle. Beagle, um, sorry. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, I've oh. been there. I've done that. I've done that. I need to make a seven course meal, even though I am like totally exhausted because if I don't do it, I'm a bad mom, and I just uh, have to do it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been working on that. <laughs> Good. Helps that my kid is really happy to just eat a peanut butter sandwich and cucumbers for every meal. Um, not the baby. The baby likes to eat everything. Yeah. 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 Your baby has so many, like, opinions about people oh eating God. food around him and not. The other day I was eating a muffin in your house and Toby just started attacking me, basically. Toby, Toby has one opinion about people <laughs> eating food around him, which is, feed me. <laughs> they should be giving it to him. Yes, he um, we we um pretty much can't eat ice cream unless he's asleep <laughs> because he'll eat all of it. He he won't let us have any. Um speaking of Amazing. I can hear him in the background so yeah. there's a nice little cameo um, um, I and I've got to get to the climate yeah. so thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the yeahpodcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter at yeahpodcast and individually at teverbear at the balesosaurus and at caddy double underscore d if you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, pretty soon our whole schedule for October, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Erica Stitchberry, Lizzie Tenhove, Kat McGuire, Catherine Resch, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks at TeePublic. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Please do that! We have very few reviews. People people tweet at us or like send us messages to tell us if you like us. If you like us, please leave us a review. Reviews do a lot for us. Please do that. Yeah, it helps so much! And share this episode with a friend! Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. Quick note on Great Bear. Uh, Great Bear as a band is no longer recording, but Andrew Van Norstrand, who is one of the musicians in Great Bear, just released his first solo album. It is called um, That We Could Find a Way to Be. It it explores sexuality, faith, queerness, identity a lot of things it's really beautiful you can find information on that at andrewvannorstrand.com i will put a link to that in the show notes sweet this episode was produced by tefra jemian and edited by tom zalatni as part of the upford network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com
We need to record a new ad for Up for Discussion. What should we tell people? Tell them we're an emotionally honest comedy podcast. Great! What does that mean? It means we're not afraid to get vulnerable, explore the human side of comedy, and try to become better people along the way. And we make poop jokes. So many poop jokes! With tons of awesome guests like Hank Green, Carrie Poppy, and Cecil Baldwin. Yeah, and poop jokes! The Up for Discussion podcast, available on the Up for Network and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Oh, hi. Um, can you wait on it? Oh, sh- God damn. I'm gonna say it again. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna wash my hands here. Uh, I know what you're wondering. What are you doing in my bathroom? Well, this is very easy to explain. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me just blow dry my hair here. Uh... I'm here to tell you about Lasers on the Ride podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's a mix of comedy, uh, interviews, and the existential drama that only real life can bring. Now I'm going to go take a shower. Goodbye.